Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see you all again. Oh, amen. I'm glad that we can meet one another again here. I was there in Egypt last week, unable to join you. But here I am today. Praise the Lord. We're going to enjoy the book of Hebrews. Amen. Um, let's enjoy the hymn of 1130-1130. This is a wonderful hymn. to Christ who lives in us, the God of our salvation. Amen. 
Amen. Oh, you saved us to the uttermost by his life-giving power. Amen. Let us shrink back to destruction. Come forward now to get the life. Amen. Which brings the proper function. Come forward Amen. now the life to take. My life Amen. is people as you make. And Amen. swallow death forever. Amen. Amen. His life is fully qualified to bring us through to glory. Amen. But if not, his tested life would be another story. Yes. Amen. Amen. His flesh to save us to the full. His life is operating. He's yes. doing everything for us, just all for our perfecting. Amen. Our life is failure at its best. Only his life can stand the test. His Amen. life brings Full salvation. Amen. 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 He is living now to intercede. Amen. Continuing forever. Amen. Amen. He undertakes Amen. into the age. Amen. changes never. Amen. Amen. He always lives to intercede. Amen. Oh, such Amen. a high priest. Oh, Amen. he's higher Amen. than the heaven. Amen. 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 He saves us to the uttermost by Amen. his life-giving power, transfusing Amen. himself into us. He saves us hour by hour. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. He's pledged to save us to the full. His Amen. life is operating. He is doing everything Amen. for us. Amen. Amen. That's all Amen. For our perfecting. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. You're you're our uh, constituted high priest, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're the one who gives us life. Hallelujah. Amen. You're the one who delivers us from ourselves. Oh, Lord, your love is indestructible. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Save us to the full. Lord, you are fully able. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. His life is fully qualified. Yes. So bring us through to glory. Amen. If not for his tested life, it will be another story. His Amen. life was fully tried on earth to crucifixion from his birth. He passed through death and Hades, and now his life is fully qualified. Amen. Praise God, he's fully able. Well, Amen. we're going to sing this again, and maybe from the hymn, we would like to appreciate this Christ that we're talking, he is the high priest. And this high priest is uh, being called Melchizedek. And there, there are two order of priesthood in the Old Testament. One is the order of Aaron, one is the order of Melchizedek. But Melchizedek come before the order of Aaron, that is during the time of Abraham. 
And many times when you think about the priest, we are just thinking about the one who offers sacrifice uh, on, the, on behalf of our sin, on behalf of our failures. But okay, that is mainly is referring to Aaron. But the high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, is not just to take care of our salvation. Basically, is take care for our nourishment. Is take care of feeding us. Now, many, we were quite impressed, the one who saved us, being our high priest, uh, being the priest of uh, order of Aaron, take care, bear our sins. But here, we want tonight, we want to see the order of Melchizedek. In other words, is not just to save the sinners, but to produce the overcomers. Amen. This is what we need today in the church life. We not just make some altar call and bring people to the Lord and baptize them, and then what next? No. Today in the church life, we need a group of people who are not only enjoying the priesthood of Melchizedek, even one with the Melchizedek. We need a big number of people. Oh, may we all, one with our Melchizedek. His ministry is the ministry of feeding, minister, bread and wine. Amen. We'll talk that later tonight. I hope the Lord give us clear picture. But before we want to enjoy the book of Hebrews, let's sing this hymn again. If you sing this hymn, you're going to see this is the priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek.
Amen. 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 His priesthood changes never. He always lives to intercede. Amen. What we need is higher than the heavens. Amen. He lives now to intercede, continuing forever. He undertakes Amen. into the age. His priesthood changes never. He always loves to intercede. Such Amen. a high priest is what we need. He's higher than the heavens. Amen. 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 Come forward now to get the light. <laughs> Sister Lucy, continue. It's me and you again. <laughs> Amen. Oh, such a high priest is what we need. Amen. Yes, oh, oh, amen. Amen. Our high priest. Amen. Oh, that high priest who is amen. always interceding on our behalf. Oh Lord. Amen. Oh, amen. 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 And cherishing us. Amen. 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 Come forward amen. now to get the life which amen. brings the function. Come Amen. forward now, the life to take by life is people, us you'll make and forever. Yes. Amen. So now we Amen. come forward to God through him. We are Amen. never thinking back to destruction. Oh, we Amen. now to get the life, yes. the life Amen. which brings the proper function. Oh, now the life to take by life, his uh, people of he'll make and uh, swallow that forever. Let's come to read the scriptures tonight. Tonight we want to read Hebrews chapter 4, from verse 14 to chapter 5, verse 10. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 14. So, chapter 5, verse 10. Okay, welcome back, everybody. So, uh, I'm really enjoying us getting into the book of Hebrews because what we're seeing is we're seeing a Christ that we just wouldn't normally see. We're seeing a Christ who is really uh, able. Amen who is so much to us. And we want to see all these aspects of Christ revealed to us in this book. And um, so what the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is doing is he is giving us many comparisons to, to show us the superiority of Christ, to show us that we should not stagger, that we should not remain, we should not... Uh, hold back, but we should come forward. That's the verse we, we read tonight, right? Uh, having therefore a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, let us hold fast the confession. And then in verse 16, let us therefore come forward with boldness. Oh, dear saints, we need to be those who come forward, who are even bold in our coming forward. Because we have such a high priest. We have such a one. We have this one who is just everything that we need and that can bring us into God and into this wonderful 
uh, rest that we have seen in chapter three and four. So in this book, we've seen these comparisons between um, the God, uh, uh, this wonderful God who is speaking to us, and the God of the Jews. We saw that this one, this wonderful God, he is the son of God and he's also the son of man. We saw that he's superior to the angels. We saw that he's superior to Moses, that he is superior to Joshua, that he is our captain leading us into salvation. And tonight we see that this one is bringing us, oh, he is the high priest ministering to us. So what we see with this high priest is we want to see, firstly, we want to see who this high priest is. And then I'm going to share something related to the throne of grace. So uh, I'll cover these two aspects and then Brother John will continue um, more related to the matters um, in, in Hebrews chapter 5. So who is this high priest, dear saints? Well, this high priest is not just our Savior. Many dear believers today, they really treasure Christ as their Savior. Even in our hymnal, we have many songs about Christ as our Savior. We also have many hymns related to Christ as, as the one ministering, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the tabernacle. There was the outer court where you had the, um, the, the bronze altar, which signified the cross of Christ. And this typifies Christ being crucified for us. Then in the holy place, you had the showbread table, you had the lampstand with the light, and you had the, uh, the incense altar. And so some dear saints have entered into this experience of Christ uh, as, as the one who, who, who feeds us, who gives us light. And even we have experienced uh, this matter of intercession. But how many know Christ as the high priest? And in our knowing him as our high priest, maybe some even know this, this word. But what does it mean? What does it mean for Christ to be our high priest? What does it mean for this one to have entered, to have passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ? Um, what does it mean for him to be such a great high priest to us? So this great high priest today, Oh, he is the one who not only was crucified for us, but he has, he has been crucified. He is now, we've seen in the book of Hebrews, he's our captain, he's our leader, bring us, leading us. He's our Joshua, bring us into the race. And so he has been fully qualified to really be this great high priest in order to minister something to us. And what this high priest is ministering to us, dear brothers and sisters, is God himself. This is what God wants to minister to us, even tonight. I don't know. I'm sure many of us have had this experience. When we contact the Lord and we really touch him in our spirit, and we'll speak more about this a little bit later. But when we truly come to the Lord and we have the experience of touching him in our spirit, we can't really say, were we on the earth or were we in the heavens? Well, we don't really know, right? All we know is that we have touched something of God. And we don't know if we were in the heavens or on the earth. We just know we touched something of God. And God 
was supplied to us. So this is what this great high priest is doing. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, we see that when the, uh, when the Lord uh, spoke to Moses concerning the priesthood, the high priest, he had two stones on his shoulders. And these two stones, on these stones were engraved the names of the children of Israel, the, 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 the 12 uh, sons of Israel, the 12 tribes. And then on his breast, he also had 12 stones. And these 12 stones, again, had the names of the, 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 the tribes of Israel written, engraved on it. So what this signifies is that the high priest, he bore God's children on his shoulders, which signifies strength. So he had, he had this ability, he had this strength to bear God's children. And then not only did he have the strength, but he also had the love. He also had the, them on his breast. So he loved them. Oh, dear saints, we have such a high priest who bears us in his strength on his shoulders and who in love brings us before God on his breast. And because he is such a high priest to us, he, he, he brings us and he's encouraging us. Listen, don't shrink back, but come forward. You have such a high priest. You can come forward. So because we have such a high priest who is in the heavens tonight or today, we can come forward even with boldness. We can come forward to this one. And what he will do when we come forward is he will minister. He will, he will minister himself to us and supply us with all that we need. Okay, so let's get into this matter of Christ being this, this great high priest. So the first thing is that he is great in, in four aspects. Or is it three? Three aspects, sorry. And in, the, in these aspects, we really see a comparison between Christ being this great high priest and the Aaronic priesthood. So the first one is he is great in his person. So we've seen in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 that Christ is both the Son of God and that he's also the Son of Man. So he has both the divine nature and the human nature. Wow. In his person, he is such a great high priest. This person he not only knows the things of God and the things of man, but he's also in the things of God and in the things of man. Okay, then in his work, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it, it says that he having made purification for sins. So he made purification for sins. And then in chapter 2, verse 17, it says that to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So he is, he is both the one that made purification and propitiation for us. Then not only did he do this, but in chapter 2, verse 9, I'm going to uh, reference quite a few verses here. It says that he tasted death on behalf of everything. But, dear saints, his work did not only include that he would taste death, but in Acts chapter 2, it says that, Death could not hold him. Chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pangs of death, since it was not possible for him to be held by it. In, in verse 7, because 
you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you permit your Holy One to see corruption. So in these two verses, we see that even though Christ tasted death for us, death could not hold him. And so this gave this wonderful Christ, in a way, you can say death could not hold him, so that he could destroy him who has the might of death. That is again in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children should in like manner in blood and flesh, he also himself in like manner partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the might of death, that is the devil. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, this is our high priest. He truly is great in his work. No other priest before Christ has destroyed him who has the might of death by tasting death and could not be held by death. And so, because he destroyed him who has the might of death, in verse 15, he says, and might release those who because of fear of death through all their lives were held in slavery. So now we have a high priest who can release us from our slavery. Okay. Uh, then in verse 10, he was perfected through his sufferings in leading many sons into glory. That leading is this matter of him being our captain. So now he is qualified as the captain to bring all God's people into the promised land. This is our high priest. Okay, and then uh, in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says that Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony. So Moses was faithful in his house, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house, if we, in, if we are, uh, whose house we are, if indeed we hold fast the boldness and the boast of the hope firm to the end. So these verses show us that Christ is the one who builds God's house. And as the builder, he is able to care. Just like Moses, it says that he was a servant. And in just the same way, this high priest as a servant, not coming to, to be served, but to serve, he is able to care for God's house, which is us. Okay, and then in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says that, for if Joshua had brought them into rest, he would not have spoken concerning another day after this. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So even though Joshua brought the people of Israel into the good land, this was just in time. And the reality of this, this, this another day after these things, is our real Joshua bringing us into the Sabbath rest. Okay, so firstly, Christ is great. Secondly, his work is just wonderful. And then not only is his work so great, making him a great high priest, but also he attained. What did he attain to? Well, after he passed through death, uh, I'll read us two verses in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. It says, for Christ did not enter into a holy place made by hands, a figure of the true, but into heaven itself to appear now before the face of God. So he entered all the way. He attained to the highest position 
He could not be held by death. In fact, he, he, he attained to the highest place in the heavens. In um, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little inferior to the angels because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. When Christ was being crucified, he had a thorny crown. He wore a crown of thorns. But after Christ passed through death and resurrection, he entered into glory. And it says that he is now crowned with glory and with honor. This is the attainment of Christ. No other, no other high priest before Christ had such an attainment. So Christ truly is our great high priest. Great in his person, in who he is. Great in his work and great in his attainments. Now, not only is Christ great, I'll, I'll mention there's, there's, there's four things. Uh, firstly, Christ is great. Secondly, he passed through the heavens. Okay, so in this verse that we're uh, um, getting into tonight, in chapter 4, verse 14, it says, who has passed through the heavens. And in Colossians 2.15, Paul says that he has stripped off the rulers and authorities. Let me just quickly read that verse. Stripping off the rulers and the authorities, he made a display of them openly, triumphant, triumphing over them in it. So when Christ, he, he, he went into death, but even though he went into death, death could not hold him. Maybe Satan and all the rulers, all the authorities were trying to pull him down, to hold him. Maybe even Satan realized what was happening here. Satan was being trapped in the flesh of this man. And so this man was going to destroy him, who has the might of death. But this man, he just stripped them off. He just... It's almost like a garment taken off, being pulled down. And all those rulers and authorities were made a display openly. And now he passed through the heavens. So, dear saints, may we begin to know and experience Christ. It's wonderful to experience him as our Savior, as the one who was crucified and died for us at the, the, the bronze altar, even at the labor, washing us every day. Even it's so precious to experience Christ as the one ministering to us, the bread, uh, the, 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 the lampstand, experiencing these wonderful aspects in the holy place. But dear saints, we need to come forward to the high priest who is today in the heavens, who is in the holy of holies. And may we get to know this high priest whom is encouraging us to come forward with boldness. So that we can enter into the Sabbath rest that God has for each one of us. Okay, now the two last things that is mentioned in, in, um, in uh, Hebrews related to this matter of Christ being this great high priest is um, it says that he was, he was tried. Or he was tempted in all respects, just like us, but without sin. 
So Christ had all the temptations that we go through. As a man, as our high priest, he was tempted and he went through temptations just like we do, one after another. There were many temptations that were coming against the Lord, just like we experience. But yet, not in a single one of these temptations did sin have a hold on him. Was there a, 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 a shortage? Was there a failure on Christ's side? Yet, without sin, this high priest, even though he was tempted, sin could not penetrate him. It couldn't get inside of him. So now, the fourth aspect to this great high priest is that he is now able to sympathize with us. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, don't you feel this is just so wonderful? That we don't have a high priest who's expecting us to come up to the heavens, to go up and, and be perfect or no. In verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. So because Christ was tempted in every respect, just like us, we have a high priest who has a lot of feeling for our weaknesses. He has a lot of feeling for what we're going through. There's a lot of feeling inside of him concerning us. I was reminded as I was going through these verses and preparing of uh, Stephen being stoned. And as Stephen was being stoned, when he looked up, then the Lord was looking down. The Lord was, was standing up. We know that Christ went when he ascended to the heavens in Ephesians 2. He sat at the right hand of God. But when he saw Stephen being stoned, he was standing. He had a lot of feeling for Stephen being stoned. And even later on in Acts, the Lord, when he came to Saul, who later on, who became Paul, he said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that time, was Saul, Saul, he wasn't, he was just trying to get these people who were believing into this person called Jesus, who was that who died, and, and he was probably told the story that Jesus died and his disciples took away his body, and that's why that's why uh, they say no, he, he had been raised from the dead. I don't know. Anyway, I know the Bible says that that story was still being told among the Jews, even until today. But, but somehow, this person whom he was trying to eradicate, this name of Jesus, all of a sudden he spoke to him, but yet he was in the heavens, and he told him that he was busy persecuting him. So dear brothers and sisters, the Lord has a lot of feeling for his members on the earth. For us here on earth, being tempted, going through many things, he knows the things that he, he has a lot of feeling. He can sympathize with us. And this sympathy, I just feel like this is so precious. Because in the midst of our human situation and environment, we have a high priest who desires to minister, who desires to dispense, who desires to, to, to bring us to the throne of grace. Okay, so we have such a high priest. Dear saints, he is great, great in his person, in his work, and in his attainments. No other high priest has ever attained to any of those 
like our Lord Jesus. So he is great. Not only is he great, he is also, uh, what was the second point? Uh, he passed through the heavens. He has attained. He, he passed through the heavens. But not only is he today in the heavens, he is also one who was tempted in every respect like us. And because he was tempted, he's able to sympathize with our weakness. Okay, and now we come to this matter of the throne of grace. So this throne of grace is signified by the propitiation cover. Now the propitiation cover um, in the Old Testament, it was a lid that covered the ark. And inside of the ark, we know there were the, the law. So, but there was this propitiation cover and it was sprinkled with blood. Showing us that the priest, when that blood, when the Lord looked on the propitiation cover, he saw the blood, right? So, so this throne, yes, in Revelation chapter 4, it is the throne of God. And in, in Revelation chapter 5, we see it's the throne that executes God's judgment and authority. But this, this throne of God's authority is to the unbelievers and toward God's enemy. But to us, it is the throne of grace. It is the throne. That's what verse 16 says. Come forward with boldness to the throne of grace. To a throne, the believers have a throne of grace, a propitiation place where we can meet with God, where we can enter into this Shekinah glory, the, 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 the very presence of God. Okay. So this throne of God in Revelation, we see that it's the throne of authority. But later on, in Revelation 21, it's the throne of God and of the Lamb. And what do we see coming out of this throne of God and of the Lamb? It's not, it's not judgment. It's not, it's not trying to uh, execute authority upon us. But this throne of God and of the Lamb flows out a river. There is a river of water of life proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And on this side and on that side of this river, there is a tree of life to nourish God's people. So the throne of, of grace is this throne of God and of the Lamb. There is a Lamb on the throne. God in the Lamb is flowing as the Spirit to reach us. And flow out a river of living water and a tree to nourish us. Okay, now, how do we access this throne of grace? That is actually revealed to us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where we heard last week we covered this matter of the word of God being living, operative, sharper than any two edged sword. And piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit so there needs to be this dividing between our soul and our spirit actually dear brothers and sisters our spirit today is god's habitation it is where god is dwelling in ephesians chapter 2 let me just quickly read that verse verse 22 i believe it is it says in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. 
so what what Christ did is he came as the ladder in John he told uh who was it Nathaniel he said to him yes it's wonderful you say I saw you under the tree but but you know what actually I am the reality of the dream of Beth El the dream of the house of God that house of God that dream that house is on the earth, but there is a ladder joining the house of God with the heavens. And upon this ladder, there's a, there, there, there was a gate of heaven, right? So as soon as you touch the house of God, which is your spirit, according to Ephesians 2, then there is what you will experience. You experience a ladder joining you here on the earth with Christ who is in the heavens. And just like electricity flows in a, in a current joining your house, I have light here. I have a, a computer working. I can speak to all of you over, I don't know, the, the signals and things. But there is some, we are joined to the power plant, yet we're not at the power plant. I don't have to go to the power station to, to switch on my light. No, there just needs to be a joining. As long as there's a flow of electricity, as long as the power station is working and functioning, there will be a supply. And this flow will connect my light with this power station. So as soon as we touch our spirit, we're, we're at Bethel, which is connected to the heavens through Christ as the ladder. And as soon as that happens and we turn to our spirit from our soul, not remaining in our mind, wandering, drifting, getting confused, not knowing where we are, not understanding our situation. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't we need to touch this throne so many times throughout every day? This throne it shouldn't just be something we, we study or we know about. And then I, sp I speak to you on a Thursday about it. And Brother John shares something with you and we touch this throne. And then tomorrow we just forget about the throne. Because what do I have to do with the throne in any case? I'm on the earth. The throne is in the heavens. No. As soon as you turn from your mind to your spirit, as soon as there is a dividing of your, of your soul from your spirit, dear brothers and sisters, as soon as that happens, there's a connection. There's the flow of electricity. There's the flow of the supply of grace to you. So as soon as you have such a turn to your spirit, there is a connection in our being. It's not, it's not we're, we're not touching two different things. We're not, Christ isn't today in the heavenlies. And then there's another Christ. In Romans, actually, there's, there's these verses in Romans, right? In Romans 8, verse 39. Or is it, is it this? Oh, Lord, no, I can't remember the verse. Uh, but anyway, in Romans 8, there's one verse who says that Christ today is in the heavens. Oh, it's verse 34. Sorry. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died and rather who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God. Okay. So this verse clearly tells us. Christ today is at the right hand of God, okay? But what does verse 10 say? But if Christ is in you, so where is Christ? Is he at the right hand of God or is he in you? He is just both. 
He's not two Christs. We don't have one Christ in us and one Christ in the heavens. There is a direct connection between us and the Christ in the heavens. This throne of grace is a reality to us today, brothers and sisters. As soon as we touch, it is a matter of our spirit. Oh, I do hope that we would be impressed with this matter. We have a high priest who is today in the heavens, who has passed through the heavens, who can be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses, who is, who is tempted, and he is trying, he's encouraging us. Today he's in the heavens. He's interceding for us even, that we would break through and touch this throne of grace. And then what do we find at this throne of grace? It says that we may receive mercy and find grace for timely help. Mercy reaches us in a very pitiful situation. When the prodigal son came back to the father, the father didn't just say, welcome back, son. I see you have a need. You have a very timely need. You're probably starving. Let's go sit at the table. No, what did he do? He first reached him in his mercy. In his mercy, this pitiful son, this pitiful sinner, not deserving the grace. He even came to him and he said to him, Father, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I'm just going to be like one of your servants. Please, I just want food. And his father said to him, no, no, no. I'm going to make you a son. Yes, you are a pitiful, you're in a pitiful condition. But you know what? Bring out the best robe. Let me put a ring on your finger. Let me put sandals on your feet. So mercy is reaching us, reaching us in our pitiful state. Mercy reaches further than grace. But when mercy reaches us, that is God's love coming to us, reaching us. We need to come to this throne that we may receive mercy. We, so often we just come to the Lord and we just can just tell him, Lord, I'm just in a pitiful situation. Just have mercy on me. And then the Lord will say to you, Come, my son. Come, my daughter. My dear child, come. Let, I, let me clothe you in my righteousness, the righteousness of my son. And then when we clothe in this righteousness and we're given this ring and we're given sandals, then he, then he slays the fattened calf. Then we come and we find grace. We find the supply. We find a supply of grace for timely help. And this is what Paul experienced in, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He speaks about the thorn in his flesh, buffeting him. And then three times he beseeched the Lord to remove the thorn. What did the Lord say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. I want you to know me as the high priest. I want you to know the throne of, of grace. This throne to which you have access at any time, all the time. This is not a power plant that will have power failures. This is not a power plant that needs services. This is not a power plant who will, who is, who, who will just supply what you need. This supply is an abundant supply. My grace is sufficient for you. So the Lord wants us to experience him in this way. Coming forward to this throne. So dear brothers and sisters, 
May we be the real Hebrews tonight, even tomorrow, even in our, our whole Christian life would be this life of crossing over, coming, coming forward with boldness because we have this high priest. We have this one who is qualified. He meets all of the requirements. He is the most qualified person in the universe to be our high priest, to minister to us, to supply us so that we can come forward and receive mercy and find grace, meeting every single one of our needs. This is our real need. This, this life of heaven reaching us in our spirit. Okay. Amen. I think I'll stop there and then Brother John, you can continue. Brother. Amen. <clears throat> wow, that's quite a wonderful picture to see in the high priest and the throne. And this is how Paul or the author of this book show us this very Christ. He is the great high priest at the same time. This great high priest, he is on the throne of grace. So when Adrian described this too, I just say wonderful picture. Um, this great high priest is so great in many aspects. And you see these four aspects that how he show us. And number one, he is great. Number two, he is entered, passed through the heavens. And number three, he passed through all the trial and test. And number four, he touched our feeling. Wonderful. Amen. So if you got your Bible, go on chapter four, verse 14 and 15. These are the four aspects of our great high priest, of Christ being our great high priest. Number one, he is great. Okay. On top of great, you write number one there. Okay. And Adrian mentioned about the three aspects of his greatness. And number two, he passed through the heavens. Did you see the word heavens? Encircle the word S, plural, at the end of heavens. He not only passed through heaven, but many, many layers of heavens. Amen. This is a great high priest. I just feel so much to see here. Many layers of heavens he passed through. And number three, in chapter, chapter four, verse 15, one who has been tempted in all respect like us. He is great high priest. He is great because he has been tempted in all respect like us. And number four in verse 15, he can touch with the feeling of our weaknesses. Saints, whatever you experience, he can sympathize, he understand, and he touch with the feeling of our weaknesses. He's not only high, Pass through the heavens, but he's here. Touch our feelings. Wonderful. Amen. Did you write this for? We see that how this Christ, he is superior than just Aaron. 
all these Aaron did not touch all of them. And he's different with Aaron because of all these four aspects. And now I like to touch about um, the second aspect of this great high priest. And I want to talk about he is in the order of Melchizedek. He is not just like Aaron. There are two kinds or there are two orders of priesthood. One is according to the order of Aaron. One's according to the order of Melchizedek. And this one we want to see how the author expresses this very Christ is much more superior than Aaron. And secondly, he also say this very Christ, he was glorified by God. Not only chosen by men like Aaron, but he was glorified by God. And number three, this high priest, he, Christ, is like Melchizedek. Did you get this picture? He wants to describe how Christ is superior than Aaron. Number one, he shows us this very Christ. In, in Aaron is just a type, but Christ is the reality. So he is the reality of the type. He's superior than Aaron. And did you see that picture? That how the picture in the Old Testament, the high priest, they go through all the way from the altar, pass through the labor, pass through the holy place. And then at the end of the holy place, there is, a, there is an incense altar, which is in the heaven. All our prayer is in the incense altar that connected to the heaven. But he passed through the incense altar, get into the holy of holies. This is Christ. No. He is passed through the heavens. I know heaven is very high, but I never see there's a place called higher than the heavens. <laughs> and this all just the type. But Christ is the reality. Without the picture, we even don't know where is Christ. Did you see that type? It's just to explain how this very Christ is the reality of all this type. And this very Christ, and after he finished the work of redemption, he brought the blood, get into the Holy of Holies, in the heavenly Holy of Holies. He did not stop there. And he come out. And he come out. Praise the Lord. He come out to minister himself to us. This very Christ being our high priest. He was not, even he being like us, but he was not bound 
by the weaknesses, by its weaknesses. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, like Aaron, he has been bound by his weaknesses. Okay. But this Christ, let me tell you here. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 2. Okay. This Christ, he is able to exercise compassion toward the ignorant and the earring, since he is also encompasses with weaknesses. That is Aaron. In verse 2, that's talking about Aaron. Aaron is exercises compassion toward the ignorant and all the loose or the hearing, hearing that means the, all the error. Uh, because Aaron also was encompasses, was bound by weaknesses. But Christ, he was not bound by his weaknesses. Yet, he is able to sympathize our weaknesses. He is able to exercise his forbearance toward us, that our ignorance, our being astray, astray, we're being astray. That earring means astray. We were encompassed, we were bound by all our ignorance and we've been astray. But Christ never been bound by this like Aaron. Yet he able to sympathize us because he passed through a lot of trials and all these things cannot hold him. Okay, number two. Number one is superior than Aaron because he is the reality of all the types. And secondly, this very Christ, our high priest, he was glorified by God. How did he glorify by God? He glorified by God through ascension in verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was glorified by God. The one who said to him, you are my son this day. I have begotten you. He was glorified by God. And this Christ as a high priest, he not only being have honor, but he also have glory. Okay. Uh, look at the footnote here on footnote five one. At the middle part, with Christ as the high priest, he is not only honor, but also with glory. Not only with not only the preciousness of his position, that position talking about his honor, but also the splendor of his person. This very Christ, he not only has honor, but he also has glory. The glory, the resurrection, referring to his glory in resurrection, he was glorified by the Father. The preciousness of his person has been released. Aaron has the honor, but there's no glory. But Christ, he has honor and his glory. And in resurrection, he also, in verse 7, he was also uh, being saved out of death. You know, Aaron, do not 
glorified in resurrection. Death can hold him. He cannot carry on. But Christ was being saved out of death. He was glorified by God in glory. Second, how did he glorify by God? He glorified by God in ascension. In verse 6, that's wonderful part that even as also in another place, he said, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That part is come from Psalms 110, verse 1 to verse 4, um, referring Christ's ascension and his enthronement. In Christ's ascension, the Father saying, you are my son, I have begotten you. That verse is referring in Christ, not only in resurrection, but in ascension. That ascension bring him to enthronement. It is point out that Christ, he overcome all the earthly things, overcome all the frustrating things that attack him. Now, that ascension, is a wonderful picture that how Christ being glorified by God. God did not glorify Aaron in that way, but God glorified Christ in this way that you are my son. And then what did he say? Um, uh, this day I have begotten you. That ascension is come from the picture of Colossians 2.15. Adrian mentioned that verse earlier. i like to mention that verse again. And I hope that you have something right on that verse. Colossians 2.15. That is in his resurrection and in his ascension. Not only he rise up from the dead, but especially in his ascension. That verse 15, verse 14 is talking about his resurrection on the cross and his resurrection. And verse 15 talking about his ascension. In his ascension, he's stripping off the ruler and the authorities. And he made a display of them openly, triumphant over them in it when Christ in his ascension and all this evil spirit, all the rulers on authority and all the, anything that belonged to Satan, they come to hold him. They come to stop him, but he just stripped them off. Just like you're tearing your garment or you know, you must imagine just like a life of flies come, but the Lord just chased them all away. And all those flies just not only run away, they die. They doom. The Lord just stripped them down. Now, you must see when Christ in his ascension is not just, just like um, a rocket just shooting up. No, a lot of rulers authorities, they come to hold him. 
Otherwise, how that verse stripping, stripping off is here. That means they come, then Christ is stripping, stripping them off. Amen. Did you see that ascension? That ascension is Christ. On one hand, hey, he stripped all these evil things. On the other hand, we being captured by Christ, he brought us, us together to the Father. If you see this picture, then you will see Satan among the believers. He has no power at all. And the Lord in his ascension, in his enthronement, he become the Lord. And all this evil power, all these rulers, all these authorities, they cannot do anything. Well, I would like to tell you, I really appreciate the truth that what we saw. Look, we go to preach the gospel. No one touches us. No one touches us. Do you think that, that that is not just that easy? Do you think this, the enemy just allow you to do this? No. If you do not have Christ, you do this. <laughs> if Christ did not ascension, you do this. Do you think Satan will never touch you? It's because of Christ's ascension. He stripped all this off. He, he's the Lord of all. He's the one on the throne. Nothing can touch us. Praise the Lord. Amen. That is his, his ascension. He overcome all the earthly things. And in ascension, he stripped off all the principalities, all the power, and make a show to them, just like all the all the flies. He just used a duster, you know, duster feather or feather duster. <laughs> just swing all, then all the flies just run away. In fact, all the flies die. Praise the Lord. This is Christ. And okay, now let me touch about number one, he is the reality of Aaron. Number two, he is glorified by God. You have Aaron, you have God. And number three, he is just like Melchizedek. Christ is higher than Aaron because he like Melchizedek. He is identified the picture of Melchizedek. And according to the Bible, we know that where Melchizedek come from, okay, that is come from Genesis 14. The first time the priest is record is in Genesis 14. And that Melchizedek came before Aaron. Aaron is in Exodus. Melchizedek is in Genesis. And the first record in the Bible set a principle of that matter. And Melchizedek was mentioned first time in Bible Genesis 14. And he did, he did come not with the descendant of Abraham, but he came with Abraham himself. He come to meet Abraham. 
why he come to meet Abraham? As you know, before Abraham, man race was created by God. And all this created race fall into degradation. Even they are fallen into the land of idolatry, into Chaldea, the land of idols. Everything just idols. And at that time, that created race, that God cannot continue with that created race. And, but he cannot forsake them forever. So out of the created race, God came to call Abraham. So Abraham is the father of the called race. And during this time, all of all God's focus is not on created race, but on the called race. He may, he may already give up the created race. Let them do. Let them do what they want to do. Okay? They worship idols. They keep going on. And here, we all like, we all like that. We are doing good, doing bad in the fallen race. Ethics and ethics is all in the fallen race. But God called us. That calling is something full of significance. God's calling is more significant than God's creation. God's creation, they forbid God, they forsook God, and God came to call Abraham. He is the beginning of the called race. And what I like to say is, is that wonderful to see this picture where Melchizedek come? That this very God came to visit the father of the called race in a position of Melchizedek. One wonderful. When Abraham heard Lot has been taken by the four kings. And Lot was down in Sodom. And then this is Abraham. Sodom is here at the bottom, at the south. And then these four kings, they come from the north. Like Paulo Kwani, they come to Sodom and get many people. Some of them is Lot. And Lot was taken up to the north. And Abraham, he heard Lot is, has been taken by the four kings. Actually, these four kings are very strong. Even these five kings on the south cannot stand against them. Just four kings. And then they took Lot up to the north. And Abraham brought his the strong men in his house, only 318. Yeah. Do you think they are really strong? I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, he went up all the way, chased them, I think, up to Dan. Dan is there in Polokwane up there. 
And then they bring back Lot. And on his way coming back down, I'm sure he, he did not defeat them, but they, they just took Lot. Maybe these four kings, they go to another place and fight. And that's why it's empty. I'm not sure. But anyway, but Abraham and his 318 strong men, they took Lot. Lord, come home. <laughs> you are not belong to these four kings. And on his coming back, and Melchizedek met Abraham on the way. Wonderful. Melchizedek means the king of Salem, king of peace, and the king of righteousness. And Abraham met Melchizedek, or Melchizedek met Abraham, being the king of peace. Wow, I tell you, Abraham will be full of comfort. When he come back, if I'm Abraham, I'm still afraid, are they going to chase me? <laughs> These four kings, maybe when they come home, they say, Lord is not here, they're going to come home. But praise the Lord. Christ being Melchizedek, being the king of the king of peace. And also another name, secondly, is also the king of righteousness. That means because of righteousness, we have peace. God justified what Abraham has done. He's been justified. So Melchizedek being the king of peace. If there is no righteousness, there is no peace. Our peace, we experience peace because Christ being our righteousness. It's not just that you are right, but we enjoy peace. Praise the Lord for King of Peace. And how did he come? How did he come to the picture? What did he do with Abraham? And he ministered. He supplied bread and wine. This is Melchizedek. Oh, much more higher than Aaron. The picture of Melchizedek is to come to minister, to supply bread and wine. Now, at that time, when Abraham come back, he saw Melchizedek, wow, king of peace. That's what I need. <laughs> And then he also the prince of righteousness. That means you are not doing something unrighteous. You are, you are justified. Saints, praise the Lord today. This very Christ is our prince of peace. He is also a prince of righteousness. And he ministered bread and wine to Abraham. This is what we need today. Yeah. Well, um, When we come to Hebrews 7, we'll see that Prince of Peace, Melchizedek, who is he? It's no father, no mother, no ancestor. No, and no end of life, no beginning of the days. Where he come from? Melchizedek come in a very mysterious way. After this very Christ, as we say, he 
finished the work of redemption and he passed through the heavens, entered into the Holy of Holies and from God. And he come to visit us and minister life to us, minister bread and wine to us. Bread signifies life. He's the bread of life. He feed us, nourish us, shepherd us, and wine typify his blood to quench all, um, to, to take care of all our failures. And he, here the wine signify, or the blood signify by the wine, not by the water, but it's full of life. Man, after fall, we were under the burning of the judgment. We were thirst. But now he come, he not only feed us with life, but he also feed us with wine, with bread and wine. Just like the Lord Jesus. He sit with his disciples and he break bread and feed them with wine. This is how the Lord being the real picture of Melchizedek. In Matthew 26, when the Lord sitting with his disciples, they have the Lord's table meeting them with bread and wine. Is that, did you see that picture is Melchizedek? He is the real Melchizedek. Just like in, I, I'm not sure, that's all these disciples, they enjoy the bread and wine. They say, oh, that is Genesis 14. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Until Hebrew, chapter 5, we see that is the type and this is the reality. Well, he come to us in a very mysterious way. That you don't know where he come from. There is no beginning of the days. There is no end of the life. He continue to be with us. No beginning, no end. He is always with us. What a wonderful high priest. Compared to Aaron, Aaron at the end, he has to die. But this high priest, he never died. No beginning, no end. He just always be with us in a very mysterious way. Well, my time is up. I'd like to tell you, this is what we need today in the church life. We not only baptize people. There is a big need today that we want to enjoy his being our Melchizedek. We not just bring people around the altar and say, you have to repent. But here in the church life today, the Lord is carrying out his Melchizedek ministry, his Melchizedek priesthood. The saints weak because short of enjoyment. We have many believers in Africa, but how many are being strengthened by the enjoyment of our high priest? Now, this mother of Melchizedek, he is not just save the sinners, but he's strengthening the overcomers, those who fight for God's interest. Amen. May this be our picture 
to see this very high priest today. He is the king of peace. He is the king of righteousness, but he did not come as a king. Sorry, but he did not serve as a king. He served as a priest. Today, many of us, we enjoy Bible study. We enjoy home meeting. We enjoy many activities. Don't forget, all this enjoyment is to make us to be one with our Melchizedek. It's not just to make me safe. And we should ask the Lord, Lord, you need Melchizedek in the church life today that we're able not just join the meeting, but we're able to minister life. We're able to minister bread and wine. I am quite burdened at this time, especially during pandemic, many of the saints has been weakened. They need rich enjoyment. Not only come to the meeting, saints, how about that? Let's learn, let's enjoy our Melchizedek. He's the one who is able to feed us. Amen. And, well, my time is up. I don't want to carry on, but praise the Lord for this one. This is our Christ, our high priest, is much superior than Aaron. Just take care of the sin. Aaron is through the offering, bring us to God. But Melchizedek is bring God to us. Amen. We not only present people to God, but today we bring God to man. This is Melchizedek. Amen. That we have something to feed. We have something to minister to the believers and produce the overcomers who fight for God's interest. All right. I stop here.